good friend of ours, Tabby Wells. Um, Tabby, why don't you introduce yourself, ma'am? Uh, so as you said, my name is Tabby. Um, I'm from a small town in Ontario, Canada. Uh, I'm a former journalist and marketer and um, talk a lot about uh, controversial issues online. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I think we all kind of fit that build a little bit. Yeah, just a little. Just a little? How many people, my dear, have you... Uh... Oh, too many. Too many, too many. So, so yeah, so we're here today talking about toxic masculinity part two or part dose, depending on, you know, your affiliation with whatever. Some people, we're from the South. Everyone says part dose. So, I mean, it's. I have never heard that. You've never heard dose? Apparently, I'm not oh in the God. right communities. <laughs> no, we're, we're in the right ones. We're just not in the wrong ones. Um, Wow. But no, we're talking about toxic masculinity. Um, for the people who have listened to the show, we, we had an episode with some other good friends of mine, um, two guys, and we, we talked about it from the male perspective. But I felt like that wasn't really doing that topic justice because us as guys, yeah, we have the, we know where it comes from and all that type of stuff, but we don't really feel the mass, I guess, bleed out of it um, towards women. Um, so we couldn't speak from like the effects of toxic masculinity on, on the culture as a whole. Um, so I kind of wanted to, to get y'all in and, and see what y'all think on it. Like, uh, what do y'all think? Let Tabby go for it first. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I mean, obviously as you guys talked about on the last episode, toxic masculinity really does affect everyone, both men and women. Um, and as you were just saying, like it does affect us both differently. I think toxic masculinity for men sets men up to not necessarily be able to live out what a man is if it's being put on. Like it affects the way they're being taught to behave. Um, From a woman's perspective, uh, I know everyone calls this a trigger word, but it really has to fall into the patriarchy and the way it automatically sets women up to be below men. Um, We're seen more as objects and more as... Um, things then we really are seen as equals or as people who should be having equal representation and equity in the world absolutely right on yeah and i would i would um i don't know if i can add to that that was a really pretty good explanation (laughs) um but yeah definitely it hurts both sides but as you said differently whereas men it's a lot more subtle um and it's a lot more isolating 
especially if you feel or you are a different person than what the status quo for men it are is <laughs> um but yeah women and i think women feel it in ways that men sometimes can't see because yes. we're either told not to voice that or if voicing that you're going to hurt someone's masculinity or you're just being emotional or whatever so that stays silent a lot too so I think having this conversation can be helpful for both men and women to listen to absolutely oh yeah it's definitely different for us guys I mean we talked about it in that first episode where it's more that like like y'all said that internal struggle and that's really that's really it for us um, and we don't even know how to deal with that um, and that's why, you know, for a long time, even myself, like Julia can tell you that I would deal with it and she would bring up like an action of like extremely toxic, uh, men. And I'm like, well, is it really? Because I didn't myself know how to interpret why that's happening. So I just blew it off as, well, that's just a guy being a douche or whatever. And didn't really give it, give it the weight it needed to <laughs> until mm -hmm. recently, until I saw it myself, um, that guy started doing it to me even and started seeing how toxic masculinity there's outward effects on guys like saying you don't got the balls for that and started going oh wow and if it's this bad for me as another dude I only can imagine the small nuances and things that are, are in our culture that are biases that are made to be okay how bad those are and how bad those are to feel mm -hmm. so yeah so um, how does it I mean, we, we kind of answered how does it affect you, um, but, like, what are some examples, Tabby, of, like, the workplace relationships, friendships, like, just kind of the whole spectrum? Where has this, like, really affected you um, the most? Um, for me personally, I found it's really affected me in all aspects of life. Um, not as much right now in my current work position because I do have a really great team who is very supportive and very much equality based. Um, but definitely in former positions and former workplaces, I've encountered it majorly, especially in journalism. Um, the biggest example would probably be the way in which men, especially older men, would talk to me and treat me as opposed to the way they would talk about my colleagues and male coworkers and stuff. Um, one example was we had a lot of hot issues in our town um, when I was working there because we had a really bad town council. If a guy wrote something that disagreed with stuff that was going on or attacked the popular candidate, you know, he was seen as maybe being incorrect and infactual, but they would go after his facts and the things that he wrote as opposed to him personally. Whereas with it was me, it was always, I'm an uneducated little girl. I need to learn my place. It was always personal attacks rather than actually addressing what it was I was saying. And wow. yeah, and the more factual I was, the more research I had to actually back it up, the more aggressive the personal attacks became, including actually getting harassed and e-stalked by one of our council members um, who threatened my job, showed up at my workplace and yelled at me, created fake Facebook accounts to come after me. It was a huge thing and it was constantly, you know, you're a little girl, you're a child, you need to learn your place in the world as a woman, all of these things because I was a female. And had it been a male reporter who had done this, he wouldn't do that because he would usually just say, oh, well, I disagreed and you're wrong and leave it at that. So um, that's one way in which toxic masculinity has affected in the workplace because it's very evident that this is something that is done to women, whereas they wouldn't do it towards a man because they expect a man to stand back up to them. 
Mm-hmm. So and and they just expect men to be educated. Like it's just kind of an unwritten, which is kind of weird. But yeah, like men are just expected to have gone to college or have a master's or have a doctorate, whereas women, it's it's never the assumption; it's the surprise. Right. Like it's 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 the rarity. Like oh oh, you know what you're talking about? Like and, yeah, and even when we are educated, they treat us like we can't actually be educated um one example i would say that i've seen recently all over social media and i don't know if you guys saw it too was one of the writers of um i can't remember which comic it was but one of the comics said something on twitter and had a guy go after her and try and educate her on it and then she finally sent a picture of all of the comic books where she was one of the writers on it and he was just like oh like it didn't seem to matter because automatically she had to be uneducated yeah well, yeah, especially in like in in well nerd culture in nerdum, um, it has been such a male dominated um, culture. Um, even though women have been playing games for just as long, um, like we're finding out, the demographic now is split dang near fifty fifty across all age ranges, across all genders, like like everything. It's always been that way. Um, and yeah, to see that, and that's that, and I think that's that's just one example, and that's that's actually one example um, that you mentioned where the where the the woman actually came out on top of that battle, because she was like, "Hey, look, uneducated, okay, sure, you know, look, look what I've done. The, the comics you ask people to sign, I wrote those, you know, yeah. which is an amazing thing for her to be able to win that battle that way. Like that's awesome. But like even in um, Magic: The Gathering, um." That is an incredibly male-dominated thing, and there was a, a female streamer way back about two years ago who was pretty much given death threats because she asked for money, and they're like, well, you got body parts. You're a female streamer. You know what to do. Yep. And it's like, whoa. And, you know, or luckily the guys I was on that podcast with took a stance of, like, this is wrong. This is abusive. This needs to stop. This has no place in, like, uh, any culture whatsoever, and, and we were, was looking at to be some of those guys, but the response we got back from saying – you know, you're being a douche for for talking to a woman like that and going, you don't need money. You're a female. You you get enough money from your body on streaming. It's like, how degrading is that? That she, all she is is a sum of her parts. She's Absolutely. not. She she's not this actual creator, you know, content or influencer, which she was, because um, she did cosplay and a bunch of other stuff, and and she was wonderful at it. And and heck, even her cosplay was some of the most like quote unquote modest cosplay I've ever seen. Wasn't she um, um, demeaned for her cosplay and saying, wasn't she her like a Yeah, assaulted? she was, she, no, well, she was grabbed a couple times at, a, at one of the, the, uh, um, the, the events, like the world championship and everything, and she had this happen to her, and um, that's, of course, when, when, you know, cosplay is not consent, got real big and everything, um, which it which should have been big from go, but... Um, but the fact is, yeah, she got but assaulted. The re- but the response to that was, well, you were off showing your body. Like, and, and you look at the picture she's what wearing. Did you expect? And, like, you know, she's she's going after one of the, the planeswalkers, which is a card in the game and everything. And she's dressing like one one of the, those pictures. But, like, it's it pretty, pretty much like a medieval garb, you know? There's nothing, like, very little skin showing even. And it's like, she's wearing a tunic. Like, like it might as well be a potato sack, like... Where is the you're asking for it? But that's how subtle. In the mix. That's how subtle it is. Um, that 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 type of how a man should act. I mean, I'm 
like you and uh, Jonathan were talking about, I doubt most guys even know that what they're doing isn't right. Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, oh, this is how my dad told me, you know, this is how he talked to women. This is how he interacted with women. This is just how it's supposed to go. This is how we're supposed to re- interact with each other. Yeah. And again, like you were saying, in, in nerd and geek culture, like it's it's almost like it's magnified because even though girls have been a part of it for so long, men believed that it was their atmosphere and therefore for girls in it, she wants to be objectified seems to be yeah. the belief. Like I used to work in a video game store, um, EB Games, which is the sister to your guys' GameStop. Um, oh, okay. And honestly, I was like, I never dressed revealing at work. I was very business professional because I was trying to work up to a corporate position there. But I was treated as if I was wearing clothes that were eye candy. And I had one person even say when I wore a nerd shirt one time, oh, what do you expect if you're going to dress all revealing? And I'm like, I'm wearing a, a T-shirt. Like, it's it's not a revealing, tight, clingy T-shirt. It was literally a T-shirt with the Green Lantern logo on it. And I'm like, oh wow, this automatically says to them that we're okay with being harassed and touched and... It's really ridiculous when you think about it, because if a dude walked in wearing that Green Lantern shirt, no girl's going to come up and go, ooh, you're showing off your bod. Like, clearly you want me, so I'm going to throw myself at you and you're going to have to fall for it. Like, it just doesn't work that way. And when you apply that logic, it's like, why does it make sense one way and the other way? You're just like, that would be so weird and creepy. Well, that's another uh, yeah. subtle difference. Like how, how uh, we're, just, we're still on this, you know, how does it affect you? Like in the business world most women have to every day um be very conscient con- uh, very they have aware to think about it <laughs> very aware of their outfits because it is it is like an unsaid rule if you wear something slutty you're sleeping your way to ceo right Damn. like that but that's that's the rule and if you revere anything you know the boobs all those cleavage <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, that you're, you're a slut, that you're sleeping with whatever, whoever and whomever you, that's the same thing. (laughs) And that, that line for what is considered slutty or too revealing, especially in the workplace is always changing. Mm -hmm. Like there's no actual set line of what is considered too revealing at work. You could be wearing a normal button up blouse that, you know, stops before your chest. And some people are going to freak out and say, oh, you're wearing something too revealing because I can see some of your skin. Mm hmm. Yeah, and sure. and like you said with the boobs and stuff, like women come in all shapes and sizes, and yes, men do too. I realize that, but men's clothes are designed to fit men for the most part in a similar way. Women's bodies don't, so you could have five women wearing the exact same shirt. One woman, it's going to look clingy and revealing on another woman. It's going to look like she's wearing a paper bag. Mm-hmm. They'll ignore the ones who look like they're wearing a paper bag, but they'll come after the same woman wearing the one that might be slightly more you know, curve bearing and say, oh, well, you're wearing something inappropriate for work. You can't wear that. So it's like this line constantly changes and that all falls under it too, because there's no way for women to really win in this situation. Mm -mm. Well, no. And it's like, so like even the industry I'm in, I'm in apartments. I do apartment maintenance um, and I've done that for a little while now, but I moved to a new company um, that has, you know, a, a bunch of properties and things like that. But when you sign the dress code, it's literally two lines for me, and it pretty much states I can't wear a man thong with no pants. Um, and I'm like, I okay. Like it, it literally <laughs> says, like, like, no booty shorts for dudes. And I'm like, 
I didn't know you've had a problem with this where you got to put this on here for one. <laughs> um, and two, like, you know, no, no vulgar language on a shirt. And I'm like, okay, that's standard things. Then you go straight below that and you look at the women's list of like proper dress attire. And it was literally almost two pages. And it's like, you know, the, sh- the the skirt can't be this high. It was like a Catholic girls' schools, but that was even more loose than what they gave. Let's go even more simplistic. Um, any any prom uh, dress or attire. Christian prom? Not even Christian. It's still it public. Like any any dress code at a school, even. Yeah. The the men's is very very short, very concise, but the women's there's it's probably triple that size, and it's always like. And the excuse is always, oh, we just don't want to be distracting to the boys. Yeah. We don't want to be distracting to the teachers. We don't want to be... Why are the teachers looking? Like, that's creepy enough. Yep. But but that's always the rule. And it's like, hi, I like looking at boys. (laughs) 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 Like, 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 (laughs) it's... That sounded really strange. No, no, it's it's, it's not. But but women, like, girls equally... I can can tell you, in high school, we got in our circles and we're like, hmm... Do you see so and so or whatever? Yeah, I, I, I can't think of any names, but we would we would sit and talk about how hot a certain boy was, how a certain shirt looked. Oh, he's wearing white. I can and then you settled boy. for dad bod. <laughs> I love you. Uh, no, but but yeah, like but but the but the way they're treated, uh, one gets um, more attention, one gets more status. Um, you know, women being distracted is like, oh, you're you're a woman. <laughs> like it, it doesn't matter as much, right? right? Right. Like, and that's and it's funny too because like I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, back to those high school athletes that were way more ripped than a high school male should be. And I mean, you think mm-hmm. about some of those shirts and stuff that they wore. That was far more distracting than say a girl wearing leggings with a shirt long enough to cover her butt gasp like like the like you're the not sleeveless gonna... shirts that come all the way down to their their waist yeah and you're just sitting there like looking through like hi <laughs> and, and i mean again Guy like, side that's, boob that's such the double standard of that toxic masculinity in that because you know all the girls are drooling over that bod right there the guys mm-hmm. can't even see how the woman looks in those leggings because the leggings are halfway down her thighs yeah so, mm-hmm. I mean, to say that the girl is distracting simply because she has leggings on, yet the guy somehow isn't, even when, you know, you can see a six-pack through the side of the shirt, that's kind of really unbalanced. Well, and you grow up with that. And and then that's that's what every adult now grew up with. Women were constantly like, look out for your body, look out for your body, look out for your body. Be, be aware, be aware, be aware. Like, and, and still to this day, I'll put on clothes at home and look in the mirror and go... Oh no! <laughs> like, <laughs> like oh, oh, you know, I look good. Oh, do I look? Do I look too good? Yeah. Do I look too good? Am I? Is this going to just draw attention that I do not have the mental capacity today to deal with? And so then I will usually then just go, you know what? And I'll take one of your shirts <laughs> that makes me look like a potato sack because that day my you anxiety do not is look so like high a potato sack. and my depression is so high that I don't have the energy. To deal with a guy going, hmm, how you do, you know, and that and that causes anxiety. Well, just having so, just a guy look at you and be like, hmm, and just, not stop staring. Just so you know, guys are are crappy enough that majority of them, 
if they don't know it, they're just going to do that anyways, regardless if it's a potato sack or not, unfortunately. Oh, absolutely. It's been, but, but it's been so ingrained in us that it's our fault if we dress that way. So as long as they're looking, oh, that he's just a perv. But if I'm dressing, you know, if I have a shirt that's collarbone. It's a V-neck. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm sitting there going, I did this to myself. It's my fault. You know, oh, absolutely. and that's, that's yeah. what I've been taught. And it's taking it's still I, I that's still how I believe, even though I know it's not my fault. Right. Like, yeah. That's that's his that's his issues. Those are his problems. Right. But it's so, so ingrained into my mental thought processes that that just it to fight that takes mental energy. And it's it's exhausting. It really does. And like even when I think back to like the two. I'd say. I hate using the word biggest, but the two most prominent sexual assaults that I encountered, the first one, I was in an A&W uniform, like the old school, thick, heavy cotton shirt, brown pants, does not look flattering on anyone outfits. (laughs) The second one was in Cuba and I was wearing like really thick blue jeans and a black t-shirt that went, you know, halfway down past my butt. Whereas when I've worn stuff that was more like excluding nightclubs, which nightclubs are a whole other story. I've never had anything happen yet. Just like Julia was saying, you know, even in the summer here, like we've had days that were probably about 110 degrees and I'm wearing clothing appropriate to that. And I'm looking in the mirror going, can I really wear this? Because if anything happens to me, it's my fault for wearing this. And that shouldn't be our thought process. That's, that's a point I did want to bring up. Um, and I just lost my train of thought. (laughs) But um, how how going back to the question, um, there's a, a I don't know if it was a blog or an article or a research paper, but um, talking about the differences between how men prepare for the day and how women prepare for a day. And he asked, you know, he asked the men, what do you do every day to not be sexually assaulted? And the stu- you know the people in the room, the guys would be like, what? "Is this a trick question? Like, what? What are you talking about?" And you know he's like, "You could see the women around them just kind of looking at him, like, wait, what? You don't, you don't mentally and physically prepare to not be assaulted every day." And so you know the men would be like, "Oh, we don't go to jail. Like that's how we not. <laughs> that's how we don't get sexually so assaulted." So you prepare for not assaulting someone. You just <laughs> like, like, like is that how they're they answering? Really give an answer. It's just not something that men in general think about. But he asked the women and me, I can just list off some of the things I do. Whenever I'm walking by myself, I have my keys like a dagger in my hand. Um, Anytime before I get in the car, I look in all the back windows. I look all the way. I walk around the car and make sure there is nobody around. If I'm walking by myself, I don't wear headphones, Mm -hmm. at least not, not in both ears. I have one out always, which I love both ears like I like to be completely engulfed in music and I do that at home but when I am out in public that one comes off because I need to hear what's coming what's coming behind me what's coming around me and who what what even people are talking about right and um I'm sure you have stuff that you do absolutely basically all the same stuff but even like I've got one of those cars where you have to hit the unlock button twice to unlock all the doors First time we'll only open the driver's door. And I can tell you when I'm out there by myself and it's dark out, I will only unlock the driver's side door because I'm so terrified of just the concept of having every door unlocked in my car when it's 
dark out, you know, and I'm sure this is something you've experienced too before, Julia. Like there's times where if I'm out at Walmart or something at night and there's a guy walking out behind me, I literally have to sit there and talk myself out of, is this guy going to attack me? Especially if he's walking the same direction as me and there's only like four cars in the parking lot. My heart is thundering the whole way. And I feel bad because there's, there's no reason we should have to fear every single man who's walking out behind us. But because of the kind of society we live in, and again, the fact that rape culture is such a big thing and that so many men get away with it, we're terrified and look at every man as a suspect in those situations because we have to to protect ourselves because that one time that we don't prepare for that could be the one time where something happens and the worst part of that is that every woman knows if it does happen we have a huge possibility of nobody believing our side of the story and And not only that going to happen yeah and not only that but us being blamed for it somehow yeah which is why we dress the way we do yeah. Which is why we are always on alert. There is not, like, if you're jogging on a, on, a, on a trail, you are constantly looking around, making sure there's no one else. Having a phone, I, I, I have it, 911 on speed dial. Not because, you know, oh, random emergencies. No, for specifically assault. And, and, and I, I don't go out after dark. I, I don't walk around my neighborhood. My neighborhood's pretty safe. I don't walk around because... Yeah, and we're, what, what, two blocks from the police station? Yeah, literally two blocks from the police station. I don't walk around at night. I, like, churches all around the block. Yes. Yeah. So the, the courthouse is down the street. Well, the church part should make it a little more scary. And I don't scary. because this the narrative that's going to happen. What were you doing out walking out your neighborhood at night? Right. What were you doing? Right. And I, I love the nighttime. That's It's peaceful. It's quiet. There is no one to start a random it, small Texas, talk conversation it's with It's Texas. It's cool. Me. <laughs> um, but you know I know the narrative will be you were out at night you, you asked for it yeah. you know you should have stayed inside your house behind the locked doors whereas men I, I see them walking around the entire city and I, I I literally just look at them and go man I wish I could do that <laughs> like I, I, and, and it makes me sad because I, I, as of now right now I can't do that I mean I could but the possibility of me being assaulted goes up. The possi- and you know, and the and the reality that I will be blamed is is almost there's no possibility that I won't be. Right from some party or another. Even even if the cops did their job, you're still getting blamed from at least society. And that's worse sometimes. And that and that is worse sometimes. Even if you get even if you get that zero point three percent. Yeah, let, let's say you get incredibly, you're still getting blamed by someone. You're isolated by your entire family and friends because yeah. you're a liar and yep. you're an attention seeker. And if you fight back, if you manage to harm them, well, then it couldn't have been as bad as you said. And were they really the perpetrator if you hurt them? Like. Again, it's another one of those lose-lose situations. No matter what, somehow it's always coming back to, well, you're over-exaggerating it or you're making it up or it can't really have happened the way it did. And even, you know, a lot of times, like what I experienced with my first assault going back to A&W, those who actually know it's assault don't care enough to defend it and often will defend the perpetrator just for whatever reason, whether it's because they like them, whether, you know, in my case, it was the guy owed the person money, like it they will defend it and that decreases your credibility and it shouldn't decrease your credibility the second someone else, especially another man, is willing to say, oh, well, no, I like them, so they couldn't have done that. 
Well, and that's the thing. And I mean, that's that is so rampant. Just that last statement. I know them, so they couldn't have done that. Like that is such that is such a bullcrap statement. Like it, it makes me sick to even to even think that. And like I like I've heard this stuff before. What y'all are talking about, and and I have, and it's good, and it's amazing um, that that y'all are talking about this. Like I know it's not easy. I say it's not amazing. Well, I mean, but but I, well, but I mean, it's I not easy. It's 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 a reality you you have to live with, um, and and it's it's sad, um, and and you know I'm I'm sorry for the culture being that was that's been created, mm-hmm. um, because it's not okay. It's not, it's not acceptable for any culture to act this way, especially one and we pride ourselves as North America as being the top of the pile on everything. And yet it's incredibly rampant here. Something that is honestly, well, it's honestly fixable. This is a fixable issue. This is not one of those issues that isn't like above our reach to fix. We have the means, the, the, the people power, we have everything at our grasp and we just let it go. For no reason, like there's really, there's really no reason besides. Well, I don't want to deal with it. it it's it's like it's just stupid laziness well, because they just don't want to deal with it. It doesn't. If it doesn't affect you, it's a lot harder to. Well, right, right. Change like why should I why should I care about that? It doesn't affect me. I'm not living it. But then on, I would say the problem is then on the flip side, those same people are saying, well it doesn't affect me, so why should I care, are also the same ones who are getting angry when women are like, look, we have to fear all men because we don't know what's going to happen because this issue isn't being resolved. And they're like, well, that's unfair, and, you know, not all men. And it's like, great, we get that it's not all men. But if you're not willing to help us stop this culture and stop it, then we can't stop ourselves from having to protect ourselves because men sure as heck aren't going to do it right now. And we know the law isn't going to do it. The government isn't going to do it. So unfortunately, yes, we have to view everything through the lens of learning how to identify who is safe. And that means from the get-go, all men start off as a potential person. And then we have to learn how to figure out who is safe in our lives. And that can be really difficult because often people we thought were safe Mm -hmm. are the ones who end up abusing us too. So we're still stuck with how do we figure that out because we don't have any criteria. And if the good men aren't willing to help fight and stop it, and I know that a lot are, so if there's anyone listening who is fighting, <laughs> we are not talking about you at the moment. Um, but, you know, if the good men aren't willing to stand up and fight against this and say, no, this is wrong, we need to stop this, then women still have to have that larger viewpoint of yeah, we have to protect ourselves. Exactly, like you said, like we have to assume that all men are dangerous until proven otherwise. And like you said, most abusers and most people who assault, assault people they know and assault people who trust them severely. So that's still in the back of our mind, like, this person's really nice to me. They're really charismatic. They seem really genuine. But am I being played? Am I being groomed for assault? And that's Mm -hmm. a very real thing that we live with every day. We have to question all the time. And wh- and again, the government is going to help us. Law enforcement is going to help us if that does happen. So we're sitting here either and we it's so hard to trust someone so completely when in any moment statistics say that they can assault you and they can abuse you and get away with it. There's not even OK. And that go ahead. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I was going to say. And the thing is, it's not just assault either. We live in a society that is so driven with 
this toxic masculinity and so driven with these patriarchal beliefs that women are also exposed a lot of the times to emotional Ugh, abuse, yes. manipulation, grooming. And these are things that come from that toxic toxic masculinity and we're more likely to encounter that than men are men still get it a lot and a lot of the times it's from other men when it happens and definitely there are women perpetrators of that we're not saying that but i mean men are more likely to do that because they believe that women should have a certain place in life and i would say unfortunately that comes the most from people in the church and from um men who have either had any kind of leadership role in the church or have power in the church and fall into these um, beliefs that women should somehow be below them. Mm -hmm. That's when they tend to exert it the most. And that's where that grooming comes in. And a lot of the times women don't even realize they're in that position. No, it usually takes hindsight. And that's years later. And then you can't really do anything about it because you, you're either removed from the situation or you're so far into it that you're, you feel really powerless. Like, well, it's mm -hmm. like a friend of ours. Um, well, not a friend of ours, an acquaintance of ours from our old church um she's in college now and we, we've known her since she was itty bitty um she posted something of you know why i'm not a christian feminist because god didn't intend it to be that way oh i saw that and article. it's yeah and and so i'm like i read it and i'm like i'm crying about it because like this is like like i would i would punish my daughters for bringing this article home and saying they agree with it like like n no this is not how this works and it's but it's so sad how how they've bought into the lie that this is how it's supposed to be. I and, can't even say that it's bought into. Well, I, well they're bred into I it, but they have brainwashing. Well, well, it is, but they've, they've yeah. so much bought into it though, that they're willing to prolong it, which now, now it turns them into people that are promoting toxic masculinity because they're promoting men over women in, in so many bad ways. And then it, it's just pro uh, furthering that whole doctrine and using God as a, is. as a standing point. I mean, I almost equate it to as being bad as, you know, to honestly, just being bad as the Nazis were when the SS would come in. You know, they had God with us written on the buckles because they believed God yep. was with them because it gave them power. And yet we're allowing these people in the church who we go to as refuge in hope and peace in our darkest moments is where we're supposed to go are, are telling us a certain gender isn't worth our time or isn't okay, or don't trust them, or whatever, or your place is below someone else. But it's usually never that harsh. It, it's it's usually not. never said, you are less than me. It's always extreme. You're equal but different. Oh, no. That is a dangerous statement. Yes. But it, it, it's in subtle and things, like when you bring up problems, and they're like, is it really a problem, or are you having a fight with you know the sin inside you that wants power? You know, yeah. or and and the hard part, like the one thing that really gets me is the hidden victims in all of this really are the men in the church. And when you look at how these beliefs, I'd say, even especially from that article, feed into relationships like in your marriage. Well, then you're setting up unless you're in a marriage where the woman really isn't good at leadership and is better as a follower and the man is 100 percent only a leader. That is the only time in which that kind of relationship would work and there's still going to be not enough give and take to begin with but if you look at like even i would say my marriage with my husband because we bought into this in the beginning and we fought so Same. hard to try and fall into these gender roles but when we look at our relationship i'm the natural leader 
and my husband is not. And we've, you know, we've always joked about how he's more of an emotional thinker and I'm more of a logical thinker. So in our ways, those stereotypical gender roles are very much reversed. Trying to follow those, you know, complementarian beliefs that the church was enforcing on us actually hurt both of us. It really hurt him because it made him feel like he's not really a man because he can't do these things he's being called to do. And it hurt me because I was miserable. I'd be wanting to, you know, make decisions on things that he couldn't make decisions on. And I couldn't because, well, that's now not respecting my husband. I'm disobeying God. And it wasn't until, thankfully, our pastor, who is very much egalitarian, because the the Pentecostals here are egalitarian, which was thank, we're thankful for, sat us down during marital counseling and was like, no, like, why are you guys trying to set up this hierarchy in your marriage when it's an equal thing? You're both supposed to work together and be equal in this marriage. And that changed things for us. But we were both failing at our marriage before that. And so many couples that I see are failing in their marriage because you've got the wife who is miserable because she can't use any of her talents or skills. And the man who is just constantly feeling less and less like a successful man and a successful husband because he can't reach these goalposts that have been set so high by these false ideologies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we spent. Those goalposts never stay the same. No, they they changed constantly. No. Like, like to go back, like like complementarianism. We we bought into that so much, and we we still do. But we changed something that complementarianism is about complimenting you as a person, not complimenting a, a yes. set gender role. Like I'm bad at things. I am bad with money. Like straight up, I hate doing a budget. Julie is amazing at it, but I'm told as a husband. You have to take care of the books. You have to do this. Like, like you know, and, and I felt keep for years. Yeah, keep her in check. Don't let her spend all your money. And I was told that. Uh, like, uh, just offhand. It wasn't even counseling. It was just some old guy just, like, offhand pat on the passing saying that. And I'm like, well, I got to do it. So for years, I attempted in small ways but always felt like a failure at it. And so it would always fail. We would always be behind. Or, you know, I would start feeling guilt and shame. So I'd spend more to get rid of that guilt and shame and it just kept going and going and going and heck it led to how many fights and how many things that have well, just and I would destroyed feel like you did tabby i would feel like if i asserted myself and said we are going to sit down we are going to do this budget uh, that i was being disrespectful right and that i was trying to take control of the marriage right and i would have felt that way back then too because even if i didn't truly feel that way i would have felt that way because that is my role to feel that way you yeah. know, back then that was like mm -hmm. what I was told. I have to respond this way. You got to put that foot down, and I was more so putting the foot in my mouth. But you know, it, but yeah, you're 100 percent right. Yeah, you 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 just assume okay, this is the church. This is they they know what they're talking about. When you're young and you're youngly yeah. married, youngly married. I need more. Coffee. Youngly married. <laughs> when you're married young in your early years, you just rightfully assume that well maybe not rightfully but in my head you know the older you get the more wisdom you should have the more life experience you have you know how many where the mistakes are and how to avoid them and so i just assumed anyone who has been married longer than we have knows what they're talking about and so when they say you know don't don't ever assert yourself on your husband it's disrespectful it strips him of his masculinity Ugh. i'm not that that's that's what oh. we were taught and, that hurts to hear. But, you know, if you ever act like you know more or take charge, he's going not to he's not going to feel like a man. You're going to strip him of his masculinity. You're going to make him vulnerable. You're going to make you're going to hurt him. 
if you do that. So for years, I would have this, you know, grand plan of how things could be if I actually asserted myself and, you know, and say, hey, I have I have these ideas. Let's do this. I had to make you think like you thought them. Yeah. You had to manipulate me into it. Yeah. And yeah. that made me feel awful. Well, yeah. And then, mm. that, and then once you found out, because I'd be like, well, I you know, had this idea anyways. Like, you manipulated you me. You fell like, into my plan. I had to. I couldn't just <laughs> say it. <laughs> like, you know, looking back, yeah. I'm like, that was so stupid, Julia. You but, just tell but him. Just didn't, communicate But it. we didn't know any better because, again, we were taught that this is how it should be. And, heck, it wasn't until, God, what, a handful of years ago, maybe, <sighs> that we even started that the long. journey. That it's we started the long. journey. And it wasn't until, like, the past, I would probably say, two years, maybe three max, that we've actually both been like putting our foots down on doing what it what should be done and like we're equal. You know, I'm learning to to shut up mm-hmm. more and, and go, you got the idea. This is behind you. Cause I naturally still rail against it and I have to go, Clay, you being a douche. There's no reason to rail against it. This is working. It's a great idea. It, it's ingenious. We're gonna, you know, do this. We're gonna be able to accomplish this now. It, and I, but I still feel that way, and it's just because it's like on my insides almost, and it's not even wanted. And it makes me wonder. I, I wish someone would do a study. Maybe someone has, but what the levels of toxic masculinity and what it represents, how much it is perpetuated from the church versus culture. Because right now, I know culture, you know, demon culture, like like you know, it's secular secularism is just evil, and they're all out to go against anything that Christianity holds for a value. But I would wonder how much that patriarchal belief, the patriarchy, (laughs) sorry, Um. but you know, that abuse, you know, and that inequality for men and women, what am I trying to say? How it looks like in the church versus how culture seems and who's farther ahead on treating Married couples like equals right now, as I see it. People out of church. People out of church. Oh, atheists absolutely. do a better job with their marriages than they I think go, 90% Y'all are of Christianity. Equal. Figure it out. Figure out who's better at it and let them take the lead. Well, because they come in with a yeah. preconceived notion that they are equal. There's what? no teaching at all for like an atheist or an agnostic or whatever you want to call yourself outside of like, well, religion. I know a lot of Christians who are faith Christians, all diversified, that, that it come in that way. But a lot of religious christians Mm -hmm. all come in you know set gender roles point blank we're done black and white well that i mean in my life that has been the most discouraging thing that makes me want to leave church and i've told you this Uh there was a time early on in our marriage when we were going through those gender roles like you know this none of this makes sense but they're telling me it makes sense so i need to follow it there was about i would say it spanned about three years where i hated that God had made me a woman because of what it made me have to do, how it made me act like a different person than who I was. And that, you know, there was no future for me in church besides being a kids leader. And I've told you this, you know, they had you take spiritual gift, uh, you know, back in the old, you know, when they made you take those tests and every single time I got teacher and leader, like just almost unequivocal like nothing else you know there was you know encourager and helper underneath that but i mean points were at at the highest they could be and i said oh yeah i love i love teaching i love learning and i love expressing and and showing others what i've learned 
and you know someone next to me would get you know like maybe the same points or lower and they you know the the leader of that group would look at him and go man you're going to plant churches one day you're going to be this leader we are so excited to see what god has for you and then you know what'd you get julia encourager helper i'm like well i got teacher and they're like oh children's church is going to love you man you're going to do a good children's <laughs> church one day like and i'll sit there like i i love i love serving kids like that's that that is a part of me it's something i've always known i love to do but I love teaching other people and not from a point of arrogance. Like I know more. It's just, I get, you have a passion for it. And to know that in church that will never exceed teaching children. And you know, the irony of that, especially like any type of controversial opinion in the church, we'll go back to LGBT, any of those issues. One of the first things they will always come back with is God doesn't make mistakes. God made you exactly the way you're supposed to be. (laughs) But then when you look at when it comes to women, well, God made us exactly the way we're supposed to be. But then they're, well, no, he made you that way. So you can learn to submit and sacrifice. Yeah. (laughs) So he's torturing you. Yeah. And it's like, so, so wait, so he made me a strong, passionate leader and same with you, Julia, so that we could stop being that and be miserable our entire lives in order to fulfill God's plan. Yes. That is, that sounds more like an extreme abuser than it does like the loving God you're trying to tell me. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. And I mean, during that time of my life, I'm like, maybe if I had been a man, people would believe me if I got, when I said I was assaulted, maybe if I was a man, I could live up to my potential. But as it stands now, I, I don't have a future in the church. Yeah. I don't I don't want to be teaching kids. I, I love it and I will do it because I love it. But that's the only thing I can do. And if I do anything else, I'm kicked out. Or I'm 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 told you are living in sin because you want to teach other people or you you didn't teach other women. You can lead a Sunday school class. Which isn't bad, but man seeing listening to that and then looking over and seeing this dude who cannot communicate or does not know have any facts behind his sources just spouting off rhetoric like you're gonna lead a you're gonna start a church and god's gonna do amazing things through you one day and my heart broke and those were probably the darkest time and i was i was severely angry with god like why did you make women at all if this is how it's gonna be why did you make us did you make us to be slaves? Did you make us just right. to be a toy? Like, and it, it took a really long time for me to get out of that. Yeah. And, it, and still it, today, I'm like, why should I be in church when culture yeah. celebrates my personality and my strengths? I could go out right now and probably uh, teach something. I don't know, but I could get a fault. Fo- but it's so hard to go to church and just be quiet and submissive and in, in areas that are not biblical, right? Cause we're all supposed to submit to each other. We're all supposed to be selfless, but the call on women to do that is, is unequal. It's not biblical in those senses. Well, they use like, well, in Timothy, they use the word men. And, and when you look at it, like, I'm going to, I'm going to get a little nerdy here. The, the Hebrew and Greek translation of the word men in all verses, pretty much in the New Testament, they used it as a well, y'all. Mankind. Mankind. Like, that word doesn't change. 
you know, men leadership when Paul wrote, it is the same as Jesus died for all men. Like, like it's the same word. I've never heard that. Well, and pastors want to use it. Well, it says men specifically, but why is it different when it's the same exact word in Hebrew and in Greek that they used for this? How, how do the, how do you reconcile the two differences when it's there, there is none, you know? Um, that's when you look at some other translations that the church doesn't like when it said, when Paul's talking to Timothy in those letters, it doesn't say men. It says people of renowned. It says people of like, like it generalizes. Um, and I know a lot of churches threw that out. I know the message, one of the first drafts had people mm. in those letters. The and that's one reason like the church, when I was growing, when I was younger, they threw that out and said it's, it's hogwash because it, you know, that that's not right. Cause it says people, it doesn't say men specifically. And, and I, yeah, and I, go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say another one too. Like, because Timothy seems to be the hot spot for all of yeah. Those, Poor Timothy, those like two I, verses, I, you know, like <laughs> that that whole book is filled with. But like the other one is the one where it's like men or women, you must submit to your husbands, and like women don't speak in church, and all those verses. And it's like there's so much that people are missing. Like you know, the submit to your husbands. Well, they miss that right below. It also says men submit to your wives and love them as Christ loved the church. Context. But, but what we don't get, and I had to explain this to someone, do they not realize what it means to love your wife and die for her as Christ died for the church? He put a call more on men in the church than he did the women. To serve and he submit. gave he gave y'all one thing. Hey, just love your husbands and you know respect show them. respect them. Men, he goes, look, die. You have to die daily. Like, like if you have to do something first, you're going to be the yeah, one that you, puts you yourself are, last and everybody else first. Right, right. And, and, and like men pass over that so much that God hit us with the stick. And yet we harp on the women respecting men or submitting part for whatever reason. Well, when it, he put it, the bigger it, it call to your husbands. It doesn't say on, to on, all on the husband almost general. sometimes to, to just be selfless because yes. honestly, God created us. And he knew we were incredibly selfish. And incredibly self-centered, and, and that's how he created us, and that's why I think he, he put that bigger verse on guys, because he's like, hey, be less selfish. Because mm-hmm. he knows most women, not not all, are are not more all selfless than, than men are. Y'all have, y'all definitely tapped into that. So he knew he didn't have to tell you to be more selfless, because he created you with, with that a little bit more than us. Gasp. Well, I mean, it's science. I'm not trying to be I, I like. Know, I <laughs> and I think that comes back to, too, like what you were saying about complementarianism before. If complementarian was used in the manner of which it's supposed to be, then that would describe exactly what we're talking about right now. Men and women submitting to each other and, you know, loving each other. But the church essentially hijacked that theory into this equal but different well we're saying you're equal but the women are actually less than you and they're kind of under than you not that they're actually less than you but and like it's this huge long ramble that goes on and on that essentially says we're not saying you're equal because they don't believe we're equal and they think that it's equality but equality cannot be equality if one person has to constantly bow to another yeah inconsistently and the expectations are different so yeah. how would you how would y'all say other women have perpetuated this? Like I know we've hit on it and we've talked about it a little bit um, because because that is out there. Like that article we talked about, like why am I not a female? Feminist, that was written by a, a woman. You know um, why do why do other women perpetuate it and like are willing to die for this? 
this cause of toxic masculinity and everything that goes with it oh, I would, in church and out. I would sum well, I would sum it down. I know there's lots of reasons, but for me, I would say it was two main reasons. One is that's what you grew up with, and those are your those are your that's your identity, right? And once you take away your identity, that's scary. That's mm-hmm. really scary. Um, and second, um, fear of isolation, because once you stand up and say hey i don't i don't think this is right first you're a woman you don't know much we've already covered that earlier you're not educated right right if it you know that's that's the thought so you you already know you're not going to be taken seriously if, if you're knee deep in that culture you know even if i say this they're just going to say you know they already have the out you're sinning you're not submitting you're going against what god told you to do this is your rebellion from the fall rising up in you you need to pray you need to repent and submit right yeah and i would add to that too more so in line with your second one is that there's also that fear then that we're going against god and that we're not actually going to be loved by god because women are taught that is how you serve god and that is how you follow god so that means if you're going to stray from that you're not following god anymore and again that comes in back ties back into identity it ties back into everything with that so if you go against what they're saying well then you must not actually love god and that means your entire life has been a farce so if you truly 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 love god then you're not going to question it you're just going to do it yeah and then you know once you you live your whole life i've lived my whole life a lie and i went through this a couple years ago like that my whole life i believe this if i go away you know and 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 this is how subtle is you are gaslit growing up you are gaslit mm-hmm. for future. Like, it's not even right then. It's like, in the future, here's what you're going to go through. Here's the reasons why you're going to go through this. And, and and the result is that you need to stay strong. Like, you're told, you know, once you start questioning God, once you start questioning what we've told you the Bible says, it's never going to stop. And you're going to eventually go to hell. <laughs> like, like it, it's yep. it's not that harsh all of it, but that's what it ends to. Like, once you start, you're never going to stop. Mm-hmm. And you're going to end up raping people. Like, it, it's really that severe. They said you're, you're never going to stop questioning. And you're going to lose your faith. You're going to hurt your family. You're going to hurt your friends. You're going to hurt the church. You're going to hurt God's cause if you ever question. So don't ever question. Yeah. And you'll be fine. And that is a deep fear that is brainwashed mm-hmm. into you. I don't know about, you know, because we were always segregated. I don't know what the guys got told. But if you're taught, if you ever start questioning why you should submit, it's you're going to you're going to cause a lot more hurt than it is than it hurts just to submit yeah and one more point i would add to to why women do this is they feed i find on women who are naturally the kind that want to be stay-at-home moms the kind that have a husband who can afford to support them full-time because the church perpetuates the lie to them that feminism is against them that feminism doesn't want women to stay at home and that they're somehow less of a woman which of course isn't the case at all It's about what you want. But when you've got a whole bunch of women who actually do want to be stay-at-home moms being told this is why you're happiest because this is the way God meant it and any woman who isn't doing that is rebelling, they're going to throw themselves fully into that because, well, I'm happy doing it. So every woman would be if they would just get out of their own heads and fall in line to what God wants. So it feeds upon... Again, it's it's another abuse tactic, but it feeds upon those women and their desires in order to try and enforce it and gaslight other women into it. Yeah, for sure. Like, that's me. I am a stay-at-home mom, 
and I like it. Like lately I've been like, oh, do I really want to do this? <laughs> but, you know, in, uh, that's my entire life. I've been, I've wanted to do that. <clears throat> and, and I went through that like, well, I'm happy. Why do women want to work? Why do they want to be away from their kids? Like, but that's just me. And then they don't want to be away from their kids. They're not going, I need to work so I don't see my kids. But that's that's what we were well, taught. But, like, I have an aunt who, who does. Like, she loves her kids. Don't get me wrong. She loves her kids. But but she loves her job just as much. And, and that's fine. Like, she wants to have that career and do that and just wants to send the kids. And, and like, that is 100% okay, too. But here's, here's the tiny detail that everybody misses. Well, not everybody. But why isn't that same standard? given to the men who go and provide for their family it's it so how to answer your question i think to, to what we are told on the side of this of like how to deal if any of these things come up is like i was told from someone who i actually still kind of respect on certain issues um you need to pray that god show her the right way the what now yeah, and I'll tell you who after this because I'm not going to name drop because I might have him on the show um, <laughs> about other <laughs> issues, not this specifically. Every male guest um, on the show afterwards, be warned. Like, no, well, <laughs> well, no, but but basically, and, and it was like in private, you know, um, he, and, you know, I'm like, I'm having these troubles and this is happening. You know, like how you've been married for a really long time. Like, how do I deal with this? And I asked in, in all sincerity because I just I was at my bottom end on like, how do I fix me? If it's me, how do I fix it? How do I help her if she needs fixing? Like, I don't care what it is. Just what is it? And he goes, well, what it sounds like she's trying to take control. And I'm like, oh, oh OK, I'm going to run with this. I, even me and my my uh, anger, I didn't know how. But the fact is, I. I still. I still went with it. And he's like, well, you need to pray that Jesus will show her the way and that he will correct her and, and, and show her what needs to be done. So, and I'm like, where is this okay? Where is this made to be okay in, in, in our lives as, as Christians in any way? And so, I don't know. That, that's what we're pretty much told was like, you know, pray against them. And, and, that, yep, and that's always felt weird. Sorry. Yeah. And I mean, my husband was told very similar things, um, both by someone who we had felt was a mentor, but also like we had gone for marital counseling at one point when things were getting really volatile between us. And that was exactly what we were told for him by the advice. And it was, you know, it was silly things like he, he's not very handy. Whereas I come from a family where, you know, you learned to do it, you learned to do it right the first time. And so when we would have things break, he would try to fix it because he wanted to be that man because of the toxic masculinity and he would break it further. And these weren't just little things. They were expensive things. So he would be breaking things. And so when things started to break, I would try and fix them. And if I couldn't, I would call my dad, but they would turn into these big fights because then Scott didn't want to listen because he had to be the man to prove that he could do it. And I mean, these were some of the worst fights we'd ever had because it would just get into that. The guy we went to for counseling, his answer was, well, you're destroying his masculinity and you're trying to uproot him and you need to just let him do these things and stop calling your dad because you're emasculating him. 
And the only way you're going to fix this is if you just let him do it. And I was like, just let him break thousand dollar <laughs> equipment that we don't have money to replace. Yes, that's the solution. Oh, and we both walked out of there going like, the hell was that? <laughs> like, that's not going to fix our problem. That's just going to exasperate it. Because now not only are we breaking things and fighting about that, but we're going to be fighting about being in debt about. So like. That was one case. And then the other, like the mentor, he told him almost word for word the things that you were just saying back now. And I mean, in all situations, it was weird. We had one where he had gone to him about our, you know, intimacy issues, which that's purity culture, which is another whole other thing that I'm sure Julia could say a lot about Uh too. But the same mentor's response was very much in line with that toxic idea of get her under control. And it was literally, I want you to go home. I want you to take her by the hand and take her to the bedroom and tell her we're having sex right now, whether she wants it or not. That's called rape. Yeah. The hell? Yeah. And again, like you guys were saying earlier about how, you know, sometimes we don't identify it or we do and we continue to ignore it with the, you know, abusers and stuff. This was one of those people. We continued to make excuses for years about this kind of advice because while he was one of the people I trusted most of my life. I'd known him for many, many years. You know, he had done good things for us. He was a good person in our life. Therefore, he can't really mean he wants him to rape me. He can't really mean he wants him to reign in control over me or to take away my autonomy. Like, you make excuses over that stuff because, again, it's normalized in the church. And while if they're a Christian giving this advice, they can't actually mean ill by it. And sometimes they don't even know they mean ill by it, which is the worst part of it they're told because it's continuing to harm each other that's what they're taught and that's how you regain your masculinity is you take control by any means yeah 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 and again the, the harm it causes like clay i can't even imagine how much it must have torn you up inside when you're trying to figure out ways to manipulate and undermine your wife because that's what you're being told in these dist- instructions from this person is essentially you need to take control of your wife and force her into doing these things like that must have been so harmful for you too what well, is it is now like I, I can't I can't say it was then because that's all I knew but like working through that hurt that I because because even though I, I it's what I knew when I was doing it I did have pain but I you shove that pain in a bucket and you, you put it in a corner you know and that's kind of that that's another whole nother issue with toxic masculinity of you know that suppression of emotion well even internally I would suppress that emotion and it didn't come out for years until I just broke, like straight up broke, and I was I was in shambles for I don't know how long, um, because it all came out of like this dread that I have. I'm just gonna say it. I have fucked up every single aspect of my marriage, my relationship, my friendship, my daughters, because it came out towards them in ways. Um, I mean, because we were only married two years before we had our oldest. And so she got to see a lot of this. And honestly, a lot of who she is is because of me. And I fight with her a lot because I am so pissed off at myself because I have made her who she is. And and it's all because of those comments from the other people that I haven't shown that love I should. And it and it's it's heartbreaking. And and I even now I still feel it that I like, what do, what do you do? What do you do after years of? of complete and utter destroying and burning those bridges almost. It's so hard. And it, I know why a lot of men don't, they keep going because they feel like they've done it for so long and burnt so many bridges. What do I have when it's just me because everyone is gone now? 
And, and that was the feeling even then. I either do this or I'm just going to be alone. And and that, you know, went to a whole nother issue and that brought in depression and anxiety and all these other issues that come with that. But yeah, it's it's devastating. Like, you know, not as bad as, as living with the daily stuff, but like I know why men have a high suicide rate. It's because we don't know how to deal with this because we can't. And we're stuck because yep. we know we're either alone or we force ourselves to not be alone and just be really unhappy. And you're isolated. Yeah. You're isolated in being able to express deep feelings of hurt or sadness even because it's weak. Or once. Or as basic thing as once. Or even just saying, hey, I'm sad. And most most responses would be pussy. Like, or, what do you have to be sad about? Or, like, or that's the question. Or it's like, why are you sad? Your, your life's great. Like, I've been asked that, like, from close buddies. And, and I had to explain to them, like, dude, I just told you I thought about suicide three days ago. And, and was close to, like, actually writing a list out here. And you're like, well, what do you have to be depressed about? And I'm like, you have no care? He goes, oh, no, I care greatly. Could have fooled me. Right um, yeah. But, but but again, that comes from what society teaches. And again, like like you said, feminism is not against men. We want them to. It's thrive. not. We've seen, like I, I, you 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 Tabby have seen it too. We've seen good men and what it looks like when they thrive. And all we want is make like that. That's the standard. Like, be open about yeah. your feelings, not in a, you know... A Case in point, Terry Crews. <laughs> like, if you follow anything of Terry Crews oh. or watch Brooklyn, like, like he is he is the quintessential masculine dude. I, I mean, his peck could bench press me. <laughs> um, you know, like, and... and, and that I'd pay Yeah, so would I. Um, <laughs> I. I'd pay to touch his peck. Um, but that's a whole other issue. Um... <laughs> It's Terry Crews. He does video games I'm, fan I'm art. He's the I'm, world's largest, most meanest looking nerd. But I mean, like, if there's anything that looks like toxic masculinity, yeah. on the outside it is. But when you listen to him talk. It's just how it's coming out because it's all I know. He talks about his weaknesses. He apo- oh, yeah. He apologizes. And people are like, well, that's weak. You're saying you don't know something. <laughs> like, what? What they they don't know how to handle him because he looks like your typical. He was a linebacker for in the NFL. Like he just looks like the dude, man. Uh-huh. The dude with the man cave who drinks beer, watches sports on weekend, runs, works out. Man. But you know, nope, he's plays a Barbie very, dolls and draws. He's a very tender person, mm-hmm. and he's affectionate with people that he interacts with. And you know, and men we've met who are like that, you're just like, oh, this is this is what it. I don't. Uh, what? And and th- that's another consequence of the toxic toxic. Ma- well, I'm having trouble speaking <laughs> now. Toxic masculinity in our society is that it has been pushed into men look and act a certain way. So especially for people who are first coming out of this and starting to see it, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, this is so awful." They'll see a dude like Terry Crews and automatically equate him with toxic masculinity. Because that has all been put together. And I would honestly blame bro culture for that. Yep. Like bro kind of frat boy culture culture where everybody is jacked up. And um, I don't know if you guys remember. This might be dating myself too if you have any younger people. But my new haircut. It was a YouTube video way, way back when. Oh, God, and it was yeah. one of those oh, it's it was, punk guys it was pu- who was, it was like jacked up. Yeah. And so, and that's essentially what has caused, like, you know, this, you see a tanked guy, he must be 
a toxic man. And it's like, well, no, there's so many facets to that. Yes, being mass, you know, being ripped like Terry Crews or Vin Diesel or The Rock could be a masculine trait, but it is not the defining masculine trait. Right. And toxic masculinity says that is a defining masculine trait. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like I, I do maintenance. I work tools. I love woodworking. I, you know, I am by all standards on the outside, a man's man. You know, I got a little Ron Swanson in me. Fine. I get it. But, mm-hmm. but, but when I talk to people and I'm like, hey, you're, you're disrespecting her. Well, I just told her to do something. Yeah, but how you did, it's kind of being a, I'm being a dick, bud. What does it matter to you? You're a dude. Exactly. Matters to me. <laughs> like, you know. I didn't get to go into gaming culture. Gaming culture, that almost is a whole nother episode because there's so many oh facets gosh, from like yes. video games, even to PC, down to tabletop and even board games and card yeah. games. Like, there's so much. And we, we might end up having that one because it's... Right. It's so big. Like, I know even in uh, Star Wars culture, we have a buddy who is the leader of oh, yeah. Mandalorians here for the local chapter. No, he is. A, is he? he is now one of the, the chapter leaders for the Mandalorians. Nobody knows what um, You know what the Mandalorians are, Tabby. I know what Yeah, well, yeah, okay. she knows Absolutely. what that is. So the Mandalorians are a cosplaying group that they build um, Boba Fett uniforms, pretty much, cosplay suits. That's all they do. Not and Boba Fett. Boba Fett was a Mandalorian. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> they they build Mandalorian warrior outfits. Sorry, thank you. Uh, <laughs> but but they build it, and so he's he does that, and like even the crap they experience, and that he I've talked to him about is is stupid. Like some guys expect the You're women characters, up. like why are you why are you dressing up? Well, or like like they wear fantasy? they wear these undergarments. All of them wear like this tunic under it to kind of like you know dress like they're supposed to. Not and a lot of the guys are like, well, the girls just need to wear the plate. And he's like, why? Well, it looked better. He goes, dude, that's incredibly sexist. So why don't I just wear the plate and the loincloth? Well, that wouldn't look right. Well, it's the same thing, though. Just because one's a different gender, uh, it shouldn't change anything. But yeah, that's a... Sorry, I derailed the conversation. You did, but but you didn't, though, because it is that double standard in, in bias. Oh, man. Yeah, and, and I mean, you see that in, again... This is probably an obscure reference that not everyone will get, but there's a YouTube series called Epic NPC Man. Yeah. So, and, and they, same idea, like they have, there's the special armor on one of the quests that the guys come up. And so the guy gets it in this big <laughs> warrior armor and it's so awesome. So the girl comes marching up and she's like, yes. And she gets it and she picks up the armor and there's this flash and it turns into a little golden bikini. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's all it is. And that's her special armor. And, you know, that's, again, another example of how this plays into, like, video game culture and and that kind of stuff. Because that is, like, you look at how many video games and the exact same armor and stuff, as soon as you put it over to a woman, it's got to be sexual. Until, I will give credit, though, um, Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, Yes. I was so incredibly, like, empowered and excited that my daughters finally have this badass woman character in a beautiful game like fighting for her family um apex did it well too all their women are these strong women um, and women of color and men of color like that's what's amazing about that game in our opinion Mm. but but horizon zero dawn was really the first game action game to come out and like show this woman is strong yes she's scared like the rest of us but man she's gonna do her best for her family because that's what that's what kind of the story is And it's just so encouraging to finally see gaming culture embrace such a strong female character that's not skinnily clad. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's nothing. She's 
pretty much wearing pelts and they're fully covering. Um, She's not using sex yeah, to get power. No, like and, and the normal gaming roles that are assigned to women. Well, yeah, because we. I mean, I I grew up in the bayonetta culture. Um, you know, and and it's it's horrible to say, but that's the culture or the Laura Croft culture from PS One. You know, and and that's mm. what we had is these skinnily clad women, and to see that finally and come what coming out of toxic masculinity to see that is is so encouraging that at least someone is getting it right or trying. Yeah, and we're we're slowly getting there, but as long yeah. as and even like go ahead, go ahead, sorry, go, go ahead. <laughs> So I was going to say, even flipping back to Star Wars culture for a minute, like we're seeing that toxic masculinity come out so much with Star Wars culture right now, because it was like, now that they're including more female characters, all of a sudden they're acting like it's this revolutionary thing, like it's going feminist and how dare we have all these extreme women, they're just derailing it. Star Wars was never about that. The only difference was that the original ones only had, you know, one or two really big main female characters and they were all strong as hell Mm -hmm. like princess leia was one of the first badass women (laughs) i was ever introduced to you know anyone to go back and say oh she's your typical female obviously didn't pay attention because she is literally like the embodiment of one of the most bullheaded strong-willed leaders that existed the difference is just that she was the only one. So it was easy for them to overlook it. Whereas now we've got, you know, how many characters we've got. Oh, I just lost you guys. Am I still? I got you now. Yeah, you're, you're coming through still. Okay. You're coming through still. We lost okay. you. Okay. <laughs> so like, <laughs> so like now we've got all these women in the new ones. We've got Ray. We've got Rose. We've got Rose's sister. I can't remember her name at the moment. Who sacrificed <laughs> herself. You know, we've got. We've got... Captain. I can't remember her name. Captain Phasma, Captain Th- which which yeah. should have been a more strong character and woman to begin with. Um, but like the uproar, they're like, oh, she's yeah. a woman. Like, yeah, well, even in the lore, yeah. she was like, even in the books but and like, past but, everything. But people saw the movie like, oh, feminism. Like, like it couldn't be possible yeah, that got... she could be a military. Just leader. blame George Lucas because he had her in there from the beginning. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, and again, like you're saying, like these are characters that were all in the lore. Like anyone who read the Star Wars books. And I see this coming from people who were, you know, EU fans. And I was an obsessive EU fan. And they're like, oh, we never saw this. And I'm like, what are you talking (laughs) about? There were so many strong women. There was Mara Jade. There was uh, Jaina Solo. There was uh, Tanel Ka. And, like, all of these people all the way through the lore who were these extremely badass women who were the embodiment of what a feminist character would be. That have always existed in Star Wars yet because they're suddenly on the big screen. All of a sudden all this toxic masculinity is coming out and screaming about how dare we hijack it. It's like, but we've been there all along. Can I just say something that just... It's not new. Hmm. So you have Princess Leia who by any other movie was strong, capable, and badass like you said. But the, the thing people sexualized the most was when she was a sex slave. Yeah, yes. chainmail bikini. Like that, but 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 that's fantasy. But when you look at it, she was a sex slave, an objectified uh-huh. piece of object. Yep. Like a candy, and I literally just thought of. It, I'm like, wait a minute, that's really messed up. Like, like, and it, it just to me it was like, oh yeah, she's sexy. I'm like, no no no, wait, she was 
imprisonment. Like she was, oh, I cannot talk to well, her. Well, even Carrie Fisher talked about that scene and that whole process too and how, That's how the only that was incredibly demeaning. And even from Lucas, what he made her do and all this other crap was, <sighs> was horrible. And she came out with a lot of stuff. Oh, Carrie Fisher, man. Yeah, I know. She's, I know. Like, and what's her, I know there was a quote about it. It was some, I can't remember word for word, but it's like when people ask me, oh, well, what do I say to my daughter when she sees a picture of you? And she's like, tell her I was enslaved by some disgusting slug who made me dress like this. Like, it's never, oh, you know, well, I was trying to do this or, you know, oh, it's okay to have sexualized me. It's no, this was forced upon me. Period. The end. This was not my choice. Yeah. And even in the movie, that's what it was. And people, like, I completely skipped over that. <laughs> but, but, you know, that's what people sexualize. And then you take back and, like, wait, I was fantasizing about a woman who was in slavery forced to be raped against her will. Yep. And the the irony, again, is look at everything else Leia wears in every other point yeah. of the movie. Uh-huh. She's, and I mean, she's stunning in every of them. I, I think she's beautiful in every scene you see her in. But she is always fully clothed. You know, once we get past her in the regal white dress when she was <laughs> doing her diplomatic stuff, she's in combat outfits the whole way through mm-hmm. and not scantily clad. They're the exact same combat outfits that everybody else is wearing yep. in it. Yet when people talk about Princess Leia, especially men, they go straight to gold bikini. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And it's and it's it's a shame. And I'm I'm not I'm not happy about it for one in nerd culture that that's how it is, um, but it. But literally, I just made that connection and. But but it's true. It's all true. That's how subtle it is. Uh, but it, and sometimes it's not. Luckily, in nerd culture, uh, because a lot of them don't have filters. Sometimes we're lucky enough for it to be just blatant, so you know what you're getting into. Like I remember the first time I took her into the card shop I frequent here in Stephenville, and I knew all the guys by name. Every head turned. Like, wait, there's a chick. And every time I sit down Uh, to play at a card shop, do you know how to play? Do we we need to explain the rules to you? From someone who knows we are avid gamers and, like, knows we know how to play or she knows how to play, still asks it. But the more subtle thing is that I perpetuate that. Right. Which I go into everything that I know is out of my field because I'm a woman. I, you know, I was telling you last week. When I'm talking about tools, I pretend like I have no idea what I'm talking about. Not because I don't, because, oh man, if I don't know every single thing about this tool, I'm going to be called a poser or a fake or, you know, a butch or what, you know, whatever. Or I'm going to strip you of your masculinity because I know about, and I really don't know a lot about tools, but I know about, you know, I know about this. Or, you know, if I know how to play a card game and I beat a guy at his own card game, Which I'm you going, many times, I'm going to invoke, I do, <laughs> but I'm going to invoke anger and I might be cussed out and I'd rather just yeah. lose because you know, it's just a game. I don't, I don't care if I win, yeah. but I will deliberately lose first time then possibly get, you know, cussed out kicked out demeaned because i'm a woman oh yeah you it was just luck that you won right you know and then i have to okay yep. do i fight that battle do i go no i'm a <laughs> smart woman and i beat you at strategy <laughs> <laughs> like, like but yeah but, 
And I've experienced that too. Like the heads turning thing. I mean, I had seen, you know, the episode of Big Bang Theory uh-huh. where they walk in and that happens. I didn't think that that actually happened <laughs> because I had never really frequented comic book stores. And I mean, as far as I was concerned, I was not an attractive girl. And I went into a comic book store with one of my boyfriends at the time. And it was like, I just happened to be dressed up that day. I was going out somewhere. So I was wearing pink, you know, my hair had been freshly dyed blonde, all those things. And I walk in and every single man stopped and turned and stared at me. And I had to turn to my boyfriend and be like, is this like, am I imagining things right now? Is this some Mm. psychotic hallucination that I'm having? And he's like, no. And they stood there and watched me walk around the whole store. I went to go look for some um, books, comic books that I was looking for. I had guys, oh, you know, do you know what you're looking for? Do you need help? Wow. No, I, I, this is what I'm looking for. Okay, but you you know which order you need to read them in, right? Y- yes, uh... I do. Thank you. Yeah. You know, and again, like you're talking about with the games, I can remember at one point with another boyfriend, I was interested in playing D&D and in maybe learning about some card games and stuff. And he wouldn't take me to the store to play because he's like, just the fact that you're a girl and you're good at these kinds of games, you're going to end up in so much trouble with these guys if you do well. Yep. So yep. I'm not going to subject you to that. And that sucked hearing that. Like on the flip side though, I mean, that was one of the things that made me fall in love with Scott the day that I met him. We went to go play a game and I'm very much I'm not the type who would purposely lose or play dumb just because that's my stubbornness. Yeah. That's not necessarily a good thing. It's gotten me in so much trouble in bad ways. But on the flip side, sometimes it is. And so he was teaching me a card game called Munchkin. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if you guys have heard yeah! of it. Kick in the door, baby. Kick sorry, in the door. Sorry, sorry. Yes. Yeah, so I had never played it before. So I did play dumb the whole game, but with the sole purpose of I was going to destroy him. <laughs> because I had, been told, I had been told by his friends who were introducing and setting us up that he hated losing. That he was not good at losing. Get it. And Get so it. I played dumb the whole time. And, oh, I don't understand. Can you please help me? Can you please do this for me? Savage. So I Came out to his turn. He was going to win the game. I convinced everyone to go against him. Killed him. And next Bless won you. the next turn. And I mean, for him, that was the point where he was like, heck, I want to marry this girl. <laughs> and that to me was like one of the points that I was like, all right, I'm good. Like, I like this guy. Because if he'd gotten angry with me for that, I would have been like, nope. Out of here. Don't need that drama in my life. Bye, buddy. But I mean, that again like that's such a rare thing to have a guy not get angry about that oh yeah kind of stuff like you were saying julia and and that's so hard especially if you're someone who's good at these things mm-hmm. well it's like i have so so we do gaming every monday night well was every monday night or we're going to bi-weekly now um for like three four years now um everything from card games board games um ran D, ran pathfinder you know idm'd we've all played some some of us have played um and, and so we, we do it all in gaming but like we have a buddy who will not specifically play julia in a game called dc deck builder um and it, because like she wins she wins enough to where he doesn't win when she plays so he won't play because he can't win when she plays and I'm like, dude, suck it up, dude. It's a game. Either get better or don't play us and we'll play. You know? And or... I'm never deliberately no. going after him. No, and honestly, her play style is like insane. You're supposed to have like a, a buy pattern of what you buy certain cards to build your deck. She just buys it all and wins. It's weird. We don't know how she does it, but but it happens and it's true. It's my feminine wild. <laughs> your feminine wild. <laughs> no. Or like I have a buddy online who won't play her at Call of Duty. 
Um, and I we've known him. He introduced us pretty much. Like I've known him for six. He did not. Well, no, he played basketball on the same team. That the same thing you did, and I I I kind of knew Zanga him through you. Introduced us. Well, yes, but yes. <laughs> yeah, basically we he's been our friend for forever now. Um, you know, he going almost two decades. Because I. I don't again. I don't even try, but I beat him. Every she walks time. around with a knife on the hardcore mode, where it's one shot, one kill, and just knifes him twenty four seven, and he can't keep up to it. Um, and so he just is like, you know, I won't play her anymore. And so it's 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 funny. It's not to see that, and even hear from the other side because I thought that was just a couple dudes. A couple dudes that do that. I honestly didn't think that it was a large number of guys who were that way because I really hoped it was just a small group of guys who were that way. Yeah. Well, and like even I experienced this. So back before doxing was a thing, <laughs> um, I used to play Halo a lot. Now, my brother mm. was a hardcore Halo gamer, and he put me through rigorous training before <laughs> I was even allowed to step into an online game. Oh, no. Like we're talking, we would play levels, and I had to beat levels in a certain amount of time with a certain amount of headshot kills. Oh, wow. Like, dang. This was what he did for me. So by the time I got online, I was actually really, really good at it. <laughs> and there was a point where I was climbing up quite high in the charts and i usually stayed off the headset because i'd heard horror yeah. stories yeah. about girls going on the headset experience that. so finally at one point i caved i went on and i said something and suddenly it was like there was dead silence mm-hmm. and are you a little boy or a chick i was like <laughs> dude i'm a chick like what's the big deal someone went took my gamer tag posted it on a 4chan forum for all of the people who were playing and I couldn't even log in to the system without men making derogatory comments, wow. without me getting booted from the game, without, you know, very sexual crude comments. Yeah. And I ended up telling a friend about it and he's like, Oh, you must be exaggerating. And I was like, come on the mic with me. Let's go log <laughs> into a game together. Yeah. So we got into a party, went into the game. I hadn't even been in 30 seconds and it started. And he was just like, I didn't know guys were like this. <laughs> this is, like, I have been online in a game maybe twice in the last 10 years on Mike. One of them was for Mass Effect, and it was, like, eight years after that point. Right. I said one thing, and again, same thing, and I was just like, I'm done. I, I can't subject myself to yep. this. But guys still do not do well when a girl is good at something because they feel it somehow makes them less, less than. Or, you know, it's okay if a guy beats them, but a girl beats them, and suddenly it's you know, the end of the world and this girl needs to be put in her place. And it's like, why is that such a big deal? Yeah, yeah. Well, and those same guys will be having, like, Clay and I have tested this before on, uh-huh. on Mike. He's played a game and they were really nice. Like, there was no crude comments. There was no, barely even cussing, man. And he, ha- you know, the game ends. It's like a battle royale thing or something. And he, you know, takes off the headphones, puts them on me. And I say something and like, whoa, what happened? Who are you? Like, what, why is a chick playing? And then, you know, you know, if you win, you're going to suck my dick. Like, you know, just comments off the charts. You know, you only win because you have boobs. You, you know, like, it's just horrifying. Which I want to know the math and science on that and one. It's just to demean. Like, but, that's but, all it is. But it's still, power even and that demeaning. comment is so asinine. But, like, and, and I still, like, it takes a wealth of courage to even put on the mic. It's gotten better. Oh, yeah. Depending on the games you play, it's gotten better. Well, and, and especially now that we play with a party, and like we play with friends online year olds that do, like, 12-year-olds are evil anyways, but it's 12-year-olds that are saying these just obscene things. Like, the older you get, usually the more 
usually. Usually the more, and now, usually it's, like, since we've been playing Apex, I haven't yet had a guy say anything sexist to me. Mm-mm. Like, it, oh, you're cool, you're a chick. Okay, let's go. But, you know, 10 years ago, I even I still get anxiety going area, yeah. at any moment. As soon as I talk, if I don't perform either top notch or... Or if, if you do. If I fail, I'm going to get, uh, for lack of a better term, verbally abused. Yep. Just because my voice is feminine. Yeah. <laughs> like... And I mean, it, it's it's permeated through all of gaming culture. Like going back to what I was saying about working at the video game store, I can remember in my first month of working there, the running joke was I was the Mass Effect expert because I love Mass Effect. I've played that game so many times. I'm so obsessed with it. And this dude came in and was looking at the Mass Effect games. And I went over and I was like, oh, you're looking at Mass Effect? Like, have you played any of them before? And he turns and he looks at me and he's like, oh, what? You think you're a gamer because you play The Sims 3? And I was like, I, Wait, I beg your pardon? <laughs> and wow. I was like, I don't even play The Sims. And he's like, well, Animal Farm doesn't count, honey. I want to talk to someone who actually knows the game Mass Effect. And I was like, okay, whatever. And I walked away. Like, I was like, I'm not dealing with this. So he goes up to our assistant manager and was like, hey, I've got some questions about Mass Effect. And he looks at him and he's like, yeah, you just spoke rudely to the girl who knows more about Mass Effect in this store than anybody else. Mm. And he was just Sweet like, justice. oh, Oh, really? <laughs> and he, so he started to walk back over to me and I was like, going on break, see ya! <laughs> and walked right out of there. But I was like, and the amount of times I had people say that, women even too, who would come in to buy stuff for their boyfriend or their son and, oh, you're not a real gamer, are you, honey? Wow. Real gamers don't look like you. Because at the time I was blonde and I dressed professionally, therefore I couldn't be a real gamer. Yep. Like, I was like, this, you know, what does, like, I asked one of them, I said, what am I supposed to look like if I'm a gamer? Goth. Well, I don't know. Well, if you don't know what a female gamer looks like, then why are you saying I can't be a female gamer? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like you said, those goalposts like, are never reachable. Ever. Yeah, for, for a woman. Like, it's, a, well, you're just not this. Well, okay, what am I supposed to do? I don't know. Just don't do that. Okay, then I'm going to go do this. Yeah. Well, uh, that's, but not like that. That's not what I was talking about either. And don't do it this way. Just yeah. give me a list of expectations, man. I'll meet them and we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I think we have established a lot of stuff, and I'm beyond impressed and amazed and encouraged and humbled by a lot of this. But to, the, I think, the biggest question, what do we do to fix it? Like what, out of everything. What can we do as women? Or, well, what or, can we do? What can what can we do as what can y'all do as women to start? But then, what do you think us men should do and how we should do it? Because that is important. Um, I can say how I think we should do it, but again, that's looking from within, and that's not always what's being seen. Um, and, and advice is never bad in this in this spectrum. I don't think. I, I really don't think it is. So, what do you think? women can do to fix it and what do you think we us men should do to fix it i think the starting point for both of us is obviously talking about it like we're doing now like more people are doing online um and learning how when we're talking about it to get past those trigger words like i know so many people who as soon as they hear the words feminism toxic masculinity patriarchy um equality, privilege, they'll shut down and won't listen to anything else. And the problem is these words themselves aren't necessarily bad. It's just people get offended by them because they automatically think it's an attack. And when we're talking about it, 
one of the things people on all sides, even those of us who recognize it, because we're always going to hear things that we're doing that perpetuate it, is to be able to sit back and be open to hearing and not get angry when we hear that and think it's an attack on us. Because when we're talking, especially as women coming forward with, you know, how extremely it affects us, when we're talking about toxic masculinity, we're not trying to demean or attack all men. We're not even saying that men who perpetuate toxic masculinity are evil or bad. What we're saying is these are traits that are negative and this is what we need to be working on and changing in order to get past it. And if we can stop and look at it that way as we're not saying the person is bad, we're saying the action is bad, that's where we can start to move forward from it. Um, so I guess, yeah, talking about it and being open to listening are starting points. Um, part of it as women too is just not taking it anymore. And I think that's something that women are doing a lot more now and standing up to it. For men, it's got to be men being willing to stand up against it. Um, and I think looking at what happened with the Gillette commercial is a huge statement to that because you had men who on the one hand got super angry and only saw that negative behaviors were being called out and saw it as all men are being painted as evil. But then you saw men who were actually going, well, no, they're just saying let's hold each other accountable. And that's a big part for men is be willing to call each other out when you're doing toxic behaviors and being willing to see those toxic behaviors in yourself and figuring out how to change them. Those would be my kind of big things that I would say. Yeah, that, I totally agree with that. I would also say from both men and women to encourage the hell out of good behavior when you see it. Like for guys, when you see a guy go, man, I just need to tell y'all I'm really struggling. I'm having a really hard time. I, I, I feel really uncomfortable saying this, but I can't take it anymore being as encouraging as you can and lifting them up to where oh this is a good thing that you're doing thank you for telling me you are more of a man for doing that than you would be if you would stuff it down hide away and not show me man I respect you so much more because you said that being obnoxious about it not not in a sense where it's demeaning but just to be like man I just can't tell you enough how great I see that trait in you that you had the courage to do this and when and women as well, like when a man shows his weakness, being like, that is admirable. Man, I respect you so much more for doing that. Just verbally telling them, thank you, and you did good. When they, you know, when they stand up for, for women, when they speak up and they're attacked, be like, man, and, and you know, I try and do that with my online you know, when I, interactions, when I see guys who, you know, no, we have a problem when we need to deal with it. Right. We need to hold each other accountable. Me just going, dude, thank you. Not in, not in an arrogant way, not so you know, oh, you're on our side. But man, it, it must have taken you a lot of courage to say that. I appreciate it. The more we can be loud to encourage the good guys, we can drown out the ones who are encouraging the bad ones. And the bad, not the bad guys, the bad traits that men are held accountable or held to that standard you know what i mean like so just be encouraging um and again both men and women need to do this and i i, I would repeat what tabby said just don't don't take it anymore and it's I, I know i have a ton of empathy for women who are under abusive traits and i i can't even shame a woman for just laying down and taking it because 
because and that's and that's not what you were doing but a lot of people are like how dare you you should stand up be a strong one it is exhausting and don't hurt yourself if you can't do it like take time for yourself but if you can if you have that strength if you have that mental energy that day because that changes every day but if you have that mental energy every day that day to stand up for it or if you see another woman being objectified or abused if you see something in your structure whether it be at church or at a job you see something wrong if you can do something about it help out your fellow woman help out your fellow man because you know if a guy's getting cornered by other men going you being a pussy you crying you having a bad day like you know and it's so hard in our culture because if a woman stands up for a man he's even worse he's even more ostracized but if you can find a way to encourage him and saying look you're not alone I'm with you I don't know what that means but I just wanted to let you know that like I appreciate you and I appreciate what you did even if it hurts you like thank you for doing that. absolutely and back to what you were saying about having the strength to do it and it being the ones who can stand up that's a huge thing you know again there are people who who can't stand up for themselves and like you said there's no shame in that there is no like we can't be putting them down for being in those situations because the stuff that they've had to endure where they're in that and the damage that could come from them even trying to stand up it's unfathomable but those of us who can stand up that's even more reason why we have to and if you have the spoons for it um a big thing that i've said on twitter multiple times because twitter is kind of my hot spot which you too know (laughs) um is it's about what you feel is the most important thing for you to fight for and where your strength needs to lie Every single battle is not every single person's battle. Right. Some of us are more equipped to address certain aspects than others are. And if you have the strength and that's your area, then those are the people who need to be standing up and fighting for it for everybody else. And when we do that, we're going to be able to give the people who maybe don't have all that strength a little bit more strength to be able to speak out about it. It's kind of that ripple effect thing. You, You put the strongest people up front and other people will be able to stand up bit by bit as it gets down to them. Yeah. But if, if we don't stand up on either side of, you know, men and women, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. Like, it's a lot more easier to stay where you are and not fight. And me, <laughs> we're going to talk about the Enneagram for like half a second. Me as a nine, it is terrifying for me to confront anything. It takes me weeks to build up that courage. But man, once I'm there, I'm there. But it, t- it, it takes so much strength and it'll take me months to recover from it. And, and Clay yeah. can tell you, like, I'm still, I, I, I've had confrontation where I just, I don't, and, and then I'll, I'll lay down for months and be like, I'm not going to talk to anyone. I'm not going to fight anything. Yep. But once I fight, man, bam. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, yeah, don't, don't feel bad if you can't do it. But those who can, those who won't lose as much or anything at all, man. You're in this fight too. Fight with us. <laughs> like you can do it. You can do it. Let's do it. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, I don't know. My, my opinion, even from the first episode of this has changed drastically over the last handful of weeks on it. And, and it, it's going to change again, just from hearing both of your, your opinions on how it should change and why it should. And, and I a hundred percent agree. Um, I think 
Jonathan Guyman, who was on the first episode, said it best. Um, I don't know if he said it on the episode or not, but from talking with him, it's it's not that all men are toxic, but we all are byproducts of the toxic masculinity era. And so we will all have a toxic mark. We're all tainted by it, men and women, um, you know, um, on their beliefs of what they believe men should be and how they believe a man should act and do things. Um, and and so I do believe, like you said, Tevi, it's about having these conversations and doing it in love and, and making sure we understand that this isn't a hate against a gender, that this is we're just tired of the really horrible, messed up, jacked up crap that goes on and is being perpetrated out of it. Um, and and I think if we had more of these conversations and they were more mainstream and people were who, again, like you said, had the spoons to stand up and do it, we got louder and bigger I think it would change drastically everything around us. And I, I think, honestly, you know, we talked about it being it is more of a man's thing to take care of men in this way. But where are the women who can should the yeah. women who can stand up and take that that verbal assault. And I know they're out there, um, you know, those incredibly strong women that can do that. Do it. Get you some. You know, don't don't back down. Wouldn't even call them strong women. I would just say well, well, strong men, strong women. Emotionally, I'm not. You know, no, I know what you meant. I'm just saying, like, you know, those who are, you know, not me, (laughs) who you know, when someone says something mean, I just, you know, not. It's just I, I feel things like right, really crazy level. Right, and And that's fine. One insult can bother me for years. Right, like like me. <laughs> some 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 aren't like that. They're like, Psh, okay, you can call me that. I don't care. Like, let's go. Well, it's and it, that's that's not yeah. a negative trait. No, it's not, and that's a, that's a great because we. I need wish that. I had it. We, we 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 need a lot of that, but but to those women, do it, fight that fight. You know, um, and don't be cookies. scared. Well, and don't be scared. <laughs> like um, you mentioned it, a guy job. getting demasculated by another guy, going up. I would say after, um. Because you can't stop it from happening. Uh, realistically, you can say something, yes, but in the end, it's already usually happened. Just it usually escalates, unfortunately. But if you go up after and let that guy who just got probably his world rocked and go, look, I gotcha, you know, it's okay. I don't think that would be in today's culture demasculating. Yeah. Because demasculating is when everyone sees it. So when I'm called out at work in front of God and everyone, that's a little demasculating just by nature of it and that's what it feels like it's but it really is just dehumanizing that's yeah. really what it is it's not demasculating i feel less of a human that way um i would feel that would be less that would be robbing some of that humanity because you would be making a more bigger scene on top of it um so i, w- I would definitely do that but the only thing i'm, I'm trying to get at is do that afterwards because okay. because what's happening is happening you're not going to change that um unfortunately as a woman you're not and i hate saying those words even but that's our culture but that's the culture unfortunately hopefully in some years my daughters this they listen to this and go what the hell were they dealing with this isn't an issue now i pray that um but but i think it's perfectly fine for women to go and go look i got you that was messed up man you know what was it about because we need that we need those caring things to happen because we don't get it from other guys other guys don't come to us and go dude how are you doing 
Like we mm. don't get that. And so it if it comes from women, we'll take it because that's all we want. That's really all we want deep down is to be able to express that emotion and feel safe. That's it. Purity culture in me is like, it's going to take it as a sexual <laughs> advance. Smart men. And won't. I think, <laughs> yeah. And I think too, on the flip side as well, where you're talking about talking to laughter, when a situation happens where a guy does stand up and stands up against toxic masculinity, shooting them a message too, or approaching yeah. them if it's in real life and being like, you know, I really appreciate you doing that. And thank you for taking on that fight for us because I've been in so many situations online even where I've actually seen the guys step up and go to bat against the guys, which is essentially what needs to be happening because I'm sure. And you know, you and I, well, all three of us ran in the same online community (laughs) for a while. And there were a lot of situations like that. And the girls would be left to fight for themselves against these beliefs. And we'd be fighting and fighting to men who don't care because they don't care about us as more than objects to begin with. And so the battle would go nowhere. Whereas men need to be willing to step up and go, no, dude, that's not okay. And when they do that, I feel like it's really helpful to you guys when the women afterwards, you know, are like, hey, we really appreciate that. You don't know how much it meant to see you stand up and call out that bad behavior on our behalf. Oh, yeah. No, it's... Because that goes a long way. Oh, it goes leaps and bounds because, like, like I I do believe in in chivalry still because I don't believe that's a gender thing. I believe chivalry goes both ways. Um, for women and for men, um, but for with that, when when anyone does good, to be told that was good is so reassuring and it's so uplifting. And it makes you want to do it again. Not just that; <laughs> it lets you know whatever sacrifice you had to make emotionally, physically, whatever you paid, whatever you had to pay in to win that to, to stand up for that person, because it always has a cost. That it, it was worth it. Someone saw that. Because we don't always get to see that effect, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are those are great points. <laughs> That's amazing. And it, it is making progress. It's it's slow, and it's still there's a lot of our culture in denial. But you know, there are men and women yeah. who are beginning to find their voice. Yeah. And find find a a foundation in what they believe. It's not just well, maybe it's a thing. It's like no, it is a thing, and I'm going to do something about it. Yeah. And that's taken so much courage. So bravo to those who have and bravo to those who are even questioning it because that in and of itself is an act of bravery. Yeah. To question something yeah, you have led to yourself to believe for your entire life. So even if you're just questioning, even if you're like listening to this and like, I don't know if I agree, man, just questioning in general is a great place to start. Even if you end up in a different place, just questioning is a great place to start. Yeah. I would agree. So you got anything else, Tabby? No, I think we've covered pretty much everything I would have wanted to address. Awesome. It's been a great conversation. So Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. Like I said, I am humbled and uplifted and excited um, to, to be able to hear your opinions, even though I get to hear Julia's a little bit more. But just just to get to see the passion and, and emotion behind it is is honestly an amazing thing. Um, and, and Tabby, thank you for coming on because I know you've had backlash on the internet. You've talked about that. And I know for you, this must be a, a possibly anxiety inducing a little bit for things. And, and I, Just a yeah, little bit. And, and I understand <laughs> it. And I am so, so thankful for your willingness to come on and do this. I really, truly am because I think us guys and, and men and women need to hear this and it needs to be said. Um, and I think this is, is going to do great things. I really do. 
the more but, conversations we can have that aren't yeah. on the internet. Like I, I love well, the internet. Well, we're on the, the internet, but I love the medium, um, but going back and forth with strangers isn't where it's going <laughs> to do the most yeah. effectiveness. It's when you hear real people with inf- you know inflections in their voice telling their stories. Yeah. I think that's going to make the most impact. So thank you for sharing your stories. Yes. Um, I've loved, I've loved listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> I love listening to any stories, but man, I really appreciated yours. Right, right. And You're welcome. And thank you guys for having me. This was, like I said, it was anxiety ridden, but I mean, it, it was really awesome. And it meant a lot that you guys wanted to hear my opinions on it. Well, we've, we've had those battles with you in the past. And, and when we were thinking about, well, not, not against you, but like <laughs> we have stood on the same side of the field fighting these issues. Like you said, in the circles we ran and, and when I thought about someone, me and Julia thought about someone to have one to talk about this from this perspective, it, it came to you because you always kept grace. You always kept love. You always kept civility. Like you kept all these principles, even when you, I, I've seen you called some horrible things from people who said they're your brothers and sisters in Christ online and, and you still kept it. Um, and so you were, you were kind of the, the first pick because you just... You always had your wits about you, and it was it was wonderful to see. Um, so, Agreed. you're <laughs> inspired. Thank you. You guys are making me tear up. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> well, you've earned it. Yeah, man. I mean, you have. Um, and so, so yeah. So, like I said, I appreciate you guys. Thank y'all. Um, but <sighs> I got to go into like the bottom spiel now. I got to do this real quick. Okay. <laughs> all right everyone thank you for listening i hope you all enjoyed like we have um remember you can find us on itunes stitcher google podcast yes you can laugh at me um and everything else uh remember to leave a like a comment a star review on uh apple podcast or itunes and everything else and uh tabby do you have anything like a blog or anything if anyone wants to to see more of your views to hear more from you yeah, so I haven't really been doing a lot lately just because how to child born and everything. Um, but you can find me on Twitter at, at Tabitha underscore rights. Um, I also have a blog at www.tabithawells.com. That's t- W-E-L-L-S dot com. Um, Facebook, you can find me under Tabby Wells. My profile is public or on my writer's page, which is Tabitha Wells writer and something or whatnot. You'll see it. It's the same <laughs> photo as my profile. Um, but yeah, those are the main spots you can find me. And if you want to see pictures, mostly pictures of the baby right now, <laughs> at Tabby underscore rights on Instagram. Awesome. Yeah, guys, go check her out. She's a great person. Um, and you're just going to get more of the good conversation looking her up. So so go and check her out. Leave her a five-star review and tell her that she did a wonderful job here, guys. But, uh, but yeah, so that's the show. I hope you all enjoyed. This has been the recaps. Y'all have fun. Thank you. Bye. 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 And see for yourself.